Welcome back to the Beer O'Clock Podcast. I'm Dylan Toon. I'm Angus Norris. And we are here for another month of news. Uh, we're here for a new lockdown. We're here for all of it. Yeah, back in. Back in. <laughs> so just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. But um, we, we managed to get out once or twice, so not a total wash, I think. No, no, it was weird. Um, we hadn't been out by last pod, I don't think. No, I don't think so. I don't even know if we were allowed to. Would have been borderline. Yeah, really borderline. Um, but yeah, back in lockdown in Melbourne, and yeah, we'll see how we go. Yeah, uh, hopefully by roughly next podcast we'll be have better news. Uh, so every, everyone in Melbourne, stay safe. Keep doing what you're doing, unless you're doing the wrong thing, then stop doing what you're doing. And support local beer. Yes, keep doing that. And yeah, local brewers, local independent retailers, please support them. Um, anything else on COVID or are you sick of talking about it? Oh, sick of talking about it, but <laughs> we've got to. Otherwise, uh, uh, the people forget what they're supposed to do and we end up back in lockdown again. Yes, that's true. And, and we won't make this podcast sort of... It gets by on being poorly dated and it, we won't date ourselves enough if we don't talk about COVID because... People won't be like, hey, wasn't that, you know, six weeks ago that we went into lockdown <laughs> and they're just putting this out now? Um, on, on the flip side, it seems we'll probably be going back in enough that we can t- just stagger these releases and it will sound up to date. Well, yeah, I think when we released our last one, it looked almost timely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we just need to do that again, but hopefully not. So I guess we'll kick it off with what I probably think is the big story from the past month or so, and that's the... The brouhaha, get it, between um, Colonial and Blackhearts and don't even really, yeah. So if anyone doesn't know, Blackhearts and Sparrows, I have decided to not stock Colonial beers anymore, uh, wrote it on Facebook and then there was, in just in a reply to a comment, and then there was an article, I think it was on Pedestrian, uh, which blew up, went viral. Uh, with, you know, sort of the, probably the expected consequences. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, and also I'm pretty sure it was shared or retweeted or something by one of Andrew Bolt's many arms. Yeah. Um, and I think that sort of led to it. Uh, so what I was basically going to say is, yeah, whether or not someone agrees with the decision by Black Hearts, you know, to stop sucking colonial is irrelevant i think the issue is that this is an amicable decision between two companies which accounts for a minuscule portion of colonial sales and has been co-opted by a group of people who are using craft beer as an outlet to push their own agendas i think black hearts have been unfairly targeted and harassed by people who realistically couldn't give a stuff about colonial before this they couldn't give a stuff about independent outlets and for a lot of them they couldn't give a stuff about craft beer in general and to see a disagreement based on what one business felt was a moral decision used as a platform from everything from the typical big boomer energy, PC gone mad outcry to actual, you know, sadly harassment of Blackheart stuff is extremely disappointing to me, someone who thinks highly of the craft beer world. And, uh, you know, personal opinions on the decision itself aside, I think we can't stand for that kind of treatment of the stuff as an industry. No, I agree entirely on that front. Um, it, I've really backflipped on this quite a bit um, over the course I think the whole thing could have been handled better if it wasn't publicised in any way. <laughs> I agree. I do agree with that. Um, yeah, Blackheart's talking about it 
And then their subsequent statement, which is very logical and is fine, I just think is a little bit on the border of uh, pandering almost to the sort of... to the outrage for the sake of being outraged. Without, yes. Without, uh, you know, trying to step around a bit of a minefield here. <laughs> yeah, look, look I, sh- I should say that I... I'm not 100% coming out swinging in support of Black Hearts. I think they could have handled this better, whether or not... I'm just sort of saying the, uh, I guess, the way I've seen Black Hearts treated online and the way I've heard, you know, I've heard their staff being abused and mm. they've sort of said things to those effects and I think that's just not on regardless and I think it's, um, I don't know, it's something that... It's not bothering Colonial at all. It's uh, No, I, don't, I, I think Colonial have been aware of the issues with the name for a while. They've said they've had discussions going back eighteen months, and like, really, who goes to Blackheart to get Colonial anyway? But um, yeah. Well, exactly. I I would be shocked if they're moving much through Blackhearts. Yeah, and and I think basically for me it just boils down to whether or not Blackhearts is right. Uh, I just think the is almost irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, and I think the way that people have reacted is really disappointing to a lot of it. Um, yeah. But, I mean, not saying they haven't done a bit to stoke the flames themselves, as you alluded to. Yeah, it's definitely... I think it could have been handled better, is probably yeah. the the only way. I, I don't... I'm not sure... I don't think there's a huge issue with Colonial, but I understand if people are offended by the word. Yeah, and it's... I never took it with any sort of malice. Um, but it, in the end, it's just... It's it's Blackheart's decision. That's right, I, that's right. I don't right. think it's a big deal. And I certainly don't think it's for... It's not the kind of where we need to be waging a battleground with people who aren't even in the craft beer sphere stomping in and sort of, yeah. Brands get destocked all the time at various yes. bottle shops, so I, yeah. I really don't think that part of it is as big a deal as it's been blown into. Yeah, it, and absolutely wouldn't be harming either of them at this stage, you would think. Um, no, well, I don't, I don't think any of the people bagging Black Hearts would ever have walked in a Black Hearts store before. Yeah, there's been a couple of disappointing things, like the Golden Fleece Hotel uh, took a couple of pot shots at Black Hearts. Uh, I didn't really, thought, thought that was sort of in poor taste, especially given the climate. Um, you know, just with COVID-19, uh, not not necessarily the the general climate, the actual, it's just sort of how businesses sort of, I would like mm. to, you'd like to see them sticking up for each other a bit. Yeah, I know, I know that particularly Maoris have an issue with Black Hearts as a, as a name. Um, so yep. it is. It is a little bit interesting. That it is, yeah, that they're taking a stand on that, given the slightly problematic issues with their their own name. I guess it's yeah. It, it's I'm sure if if people brought Blackhearts, I don't know if it was brought to their attention in a sensible way. I think they would probably consider changing. I don't think they're inflexible in that regard. Um, no, and I I don't think either of them have done it from a malicious point of view either. No, I think yeah, both, I guess that's it's. A- perfectly innocent and it's just uh unfortunate you know that in the current climate it's gone the way it has yeah yeah it it is it's all just quite unfortunate and i guess i just sort of wanted to regardless of whatever you you may think i just think that yeah how a lot of black hearts stuff and have been treated is just not really on it's not it's not worth the, the kind of you know abuse and things they've been copying it's not on ever let alone now when we're we're all having the issues we're having. Yeah, and I understand that people have nothing better to do. <laughs> it's um, yeah, I, I don't know. For me, it just feels like a bit of a non-issue um, that has become a big issue. Yeah. Um, and 
we can leave it to people far more qualified to speak about whether or not it is actually problematic, whether Blackheart's problematic, whether, whether anything is problematic. Um, I guess just from a business point of view and from a sort of just moral, like treating the way they're self-treated point of view, I just think, yeah, been a bit of a disappointing chapter. Indeed. And it's good that it sort of seems to be blowing over. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, hopefully businesses... I mean, I'm sure that all relationships are totally fine, to be honest. I can really not imagine there would be bad blood between Black Hearts and Colonia. It would be very strange if there was. No, I think they're both, they're all, um, they're both run by sensible people and a sensible decision will be taken at the end of all of it. I guess that's the problem, is that, that this, these are decisions made by sensible people <laughs> and then non-sensible people have uh, decided to weigh in on them. And then, yeah. With strong, strong and probably incorrect opinions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, not just sort of taking the we're not qualified to speak about this route, but instead thinking they're hyper-qualified to speak about it. And, uh, yeah. Just be nice to everyone, everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not worth it. This is... Colonial are doing fine. They'll, you, they don't need you to stick up for them. And we know that's not why you're doing it anyway. So <laughs> Exactly. Let's be real. Um, was there anything else you want to say on that? or are you Not on that. We've, all, we've covered everything uh, I think that, we, that we're qualified to. Yes, yeah. As two white, you know, 30-somethings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we'll just, yeah. Yeah, definitely correct. Bit more not super happy news. Uh, white Brick Brewing closed. They are Queensland-based. I sort of heard of them. Not particularly familiar with them. And also Byron Bay Brewing's physical premises have closed. Yeah. Um, I was not aware of White Brick. Um but they're three years old um, and from North Lakes, which I think is near Caboolture somewhere. Yeah. Uh, Solar-powered brewery, brewery, 15 hectolitres kit. Um, it's obviously sad that COVID's put so much pressure on them that they needed to close. Yes, definitely. Uh, um, they I won't wish be. I had more, more to offer on that front. But. Yeah. I guess we we feel for them, and uh, hopefully, you know, we don't see too many more. Exactly, exactly. Um, Byron Bay is interesting because they are they got bought out, as far as I know. They're owned by a, a big lion. Lion, yeah. Um, so this is just physical premises, but um, it's re- it's a really odd statement because they they're saying they're still going to brew there, and are just looking for a new hospitality part of the venue, but mm. but blame COVID. So it's not like they're, you know, getting divesting the venue, which was a, an expense or something. So it's all... It's it could just odd. be that they didn't want it, and it's just a handy excuse to uh, drop it. Yeah, maybe. Makes more sense than anything else I can think of. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly am not well-versed enough in the kind of scene there to know whether they are a big part of it. Um I don't know it, if they were doing super well or not. It's, yeah. I, it's pretty busy from what I've seen. It's very interesting. Um, Lions sort of have a bit of a, I don't know. They don't, they sort of shut down things left and right, it feels like. Um, just little little venues, little projects and things, they sort of quietly shut them down. I guess they're, they're too busy buying stuff to wanting to, to keep an eye on things like that. Yeah. Um, but no, no, that is... It's a shame. Um, probably more white brick, to be honest. Yeah, probably because it sounds like Byron as long Bay as Byron Bay is still going, keep and, kicking. Yeah, and hopefully the hospitality workers can find new work 
Uh, Byron Bay's probably not got a big shortage of it, although at the moment, who knows? I guess everywhere does. I think at the moment, yeah. <laughs> this one's, I don't know, it, it's kind of fun. I don't know if it's, it's like, it's serious in, it, it will vary in degrees of seriousness, I guess, <laughs> depending on how you personally feel. Marmite suppliers in the UK are struggling after there is lower accessibility to brewer's yeast. And that is continuing? I believe so, because I think it's got something to do with the production of cask beer, specifically. That's right. Which I guess is sad if you look at it from the point of view of there is less cask beer being produced. Well, yeah, I think that was mostly due to the pubs being shut. But I think Mm. they opened up in the UK on Monday... Yeah, uh, July 4th. Yeah, so so not that long ago. Yeah. So there should be cast beer coming again, and so hopefully Marmite people are are happy. Um, I did like that article when you sent it through, because most of the Twitter complaints were about, like, the 400 mil or 400 gram squeeze bottle, because it was only coming in a jar or something now. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It seems, I don't know, Vegemite out of a squeeze bottle seems like a bit of a... It seems strange. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I would be happy to not have to say that. So yeah. <laughs> Different priorities, I suppose. But, exactly. Yeah, it's. Um. I hope. Hope we see Marmite tick back up, just because we don't need cast beer taking any more hits. No, no. It needs as much help as it can get. <laughs> and if the UK isn't leading the charge, then who the hell is going? To? Who's going to exactly? Uh, just on back online, uh, they had a fairly large cyber attack which took down multiple facets of their business. They were unsort of contactable. They had an automated message when you called them up saying that we cannot be contacted, we can't be emailed, we can't be called. Uh, we will endeavour to get in touch with everybody once we're back on, and that was over twenty four hours. I went on for, and this is a fairly significant attack. Yeah, it's huge. Um, So first, it appears to be a ransomware attack. They're still not sure exactly what's gone, if anything's gone. Um, And yeah, it completely shut down their brewing operations, their dairy operations, all their IT. Um, And they're slowly getting back up. I actually haven't seen a press release for a couple of weeks. They seem, anecdotally, they seem okay. Yeah, so they had enough... couldn't brew for I think almost two weeks. That's yeah, that's crazy. That's that's just a big impact, and the fact that they couldn't even email, use phone. It's um, yeah, very interesting. It it is very interesting. It's uh, uh a bit worrying if you um are involved in their cybersecurity at all. Oh, you'd hate to be the person who opened that email. <laughs> yeah. Some <laughs> um, just message from uh. CUB offering an olive branch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a lot to say about that, but just very interesting that that size and yeah, I mean, there's obviously not that much information out there about it. So it's no, there, there was a in one of their media releases they sort of alluded to um, Scomo's little thing about Chinese company, Chinese the Chinese um, attacking Australian companies. Yeah. Um, so that would indicate they probably think it's a, a targeted attack yep. on them. But well, you know, if you want to get to Australians, I guess targeting the beer is not the worst move. Not the worst call. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, hopefully, Lion 
get some new cyber security and uh, are going okay. As long as they're back brewing again, I think that's the important thing. Well, yeah, I think they managed to supply key products to everyone and it's just sort of the smaller niche products that fell by the wayside. Yeah, which is probably slightly unfortunate. Uh, distillers have been struggling after switching production to hand sanitizer. This is sort of interesting. They're all hands on deck uh, to get all hands clean and then not so needed anymore. Yeah, so uh, I think you sent this one through. Would they Have they got massive s- s- stockpiles of hand sanitizer that they can't get rid of? Essentially, yeah. That's And also they've geared the production towards it. And I think it's just basically that, yeah, they've tried to make large amounts to it to be helpful and it's just not needed, the amount they have, and I think the way it's packaged and stuff as well. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, a shame. I guess it, it's it's they don't need another hit at this point in time, and if they've diverted production and it hasn't, it's actually hurt them, that's a bit of a worry. Yeah, um, that's, that's unfortunate if that has happened. I think there was some chat from... Uh, some government agencies about trying to get distillers to make it as well. So hopefully they bail out, bail them out if they have stuff to, for them. I would hope that they would take it off their hands. I mean, it seems like the right thing to do. And also, there's still there's going to be more shortages of sanitizer going around. I imagine. Well, I imagine Melbourne's about to go through that again. Yeah. Um. So I think perhaps this will be hopefully be a bit of a non-event. Um. But. It was interesting to read that and disappointing, like you said, when it was um, not necessarily government-sanctioned, but, you know, definitely government-supported. Yeah, yeah. Not financially supported, though, just, uh, no, in just uh, thoughts uh, and prayers <laughs> <laughs> in spirit. Gab states moved again. Well, that's, a, that's a shock. Yep, they were n- never going to go ahead in August. I think we were sceptical when they moved them to August. <laughs> The first time. Yeah, Skeptical is probably kind. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, and I reckon you'd probably say the new date in Melbourne, 30th of October, is in doubt as well. Uh, it's probably even more in doubt than August was uh, previously. Previously, yeah. Actually, um, that's, that's probably not unfair. 2020, uh, I would be stunned. Brisbane, 14th of November, looks possible, I think, if there's yeah. keeps going on the right trajectory. Yeah, if they keep... I mean, there'll be no one outside of Queensland allowed in there to go, but they will... <laughs> well, I could they, see, it, they could see it going ahead. They've only gone to one day, so that's probably beneficial for them. Yeah, yeah. Now, look, I can... I think we said last time that couldn't imagine anything worse than... Um, a beer festival. <laughs> yes, for uh, stopping the spread. Um, so, yeah, look, this... It won't happen in October. I think they should just move it to next year or just indefinitely. You would have thought so. You would yeah. have thought so. And then uh, Sydney is the end of October, 27th and 28th uh, of November, I mean. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I would doubt that too. I'm sceptical on them as well. Yeah. Um, and Auckland's cancelled. I guess Auckland, are, yeah, they're still very much in let's not do anything mode, which is probably not not, not smart. Yeah, I think it's uh, mostly a logistical issue with Auckland. I think they p- possibly could host it. Um, yeah. But yeah. They're a bit, if, they're a bit smarter. If, yeah, well, they're, they're being very careful. Um, yeah, I could see Queensland, uh, Melbourne, no chance. Sydney, I would also say no chance. But, you know, when it's another one of those things where I think events like that are just going to have to be in a post-vaccine world. I think um, until then it's just too hard to see. The only... Well, I don't know if we spoke about it last time, but obviously, like, I don't think... 
the you know spectacular is going to go ahead, but possibly other good beer week things might be able to be worked in at some point. Small sort of you know twenty person events. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of events that uh, could work in that sort of setting. A lot of the stuff we go to uh, during Good Beer Week. Yes, yes. I think could work, but yeah, Gabs itself. I yeah, mm, yeah. No, not any time in the next year. <laughs> no. no, no. Some good news to finish up the main news. Uh, Deeds Taproom finally approved, ticked off, all ready to go. Just this nah, little pesky little pandemic in the way. But apart from that, they are, um, yeah, allowed to do it. That's it. Um, they're still hoping to open in summer, so probably December, January, something like that. It's possible. I mean... You can if, still build stuff now. Yeah, and if we manage to right the ship somewhat, um, probably sound funny when, you know, there's no Victorians left and the only people listening to this are, like, in bunkers. But, um, <laughs> yeah, look, it, it's I can see them opening in a small capacity later in the year and I would be very excited for that. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, finally passed their uh, council issues. I think it's only taken them four years. Yeah, and I like that they've stuck to their guns. They're not just like, oh, I've stuffed it, we're going to leave Clenaris. They're very much... Nah, we're going to be here. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is great because I think there is definitely a gap here and it will probably be just as I'm about to move out of the area <laughs> when they open. So <laughs> Great timing. Um, it's just like when I uh, left working just down the road from Bodrigi, they decided to open, I think, a week after. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And that had been, God, that had been on the books for ages. Probably not quite four years, but... <laughs> yeah, I feel like... At least three. Yeah, it was definitely quite a while. Just sitting there taunting you across the road from Dr. Morse. Oh, well, look... Probably for the best. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. And you're still within walking distance of fixation and stuff, so it's you're not totally out of the woods. No, still within walking distance of Bogriggy as well. It's just a little longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just not quite as close. Um, so we have got the tasting paddle, just some quick bites of news. I will introduce and throw to you, Angus, and you can give us a sentence or two about this. We're not going to dwell on any of this unless No, it's... the point is to run through this nice and quickly, hopefully. Yeah, so my introduction will probably be the longest part of this. <laughs> uh, Canteon dropped around Melbourne slash possibly Australia. Yeah, Australia-wide. Um, if you're hearing that from us now, you've missed the boat. <laughs> it, was, it was real quick this year. Yeah. Uh, Catchment Brewing on Worst Beer Blog. Yeah, just dumb, racist, Black Lives Matter stuff. It was a joke about the pub um, and a photo of the protests in Brisbane. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember that. That was really stupid. And I... Fortitude posted something that was just about as dumb the day before, but it only lasted an hour. And so it didn't <laughs> get picked up in time. Both Queensland? Yeah. Uh, that's that's surprising. Tired hands. After a trip to Australia, I want to say last year, um, they really enjoyed drinking a lot of Furfy and Southern Wood Pacifico and are releasing their own takes on it. I don't even know if anything more needs to be said about that. That's no, basically the story. Not really. I'm just interested if they actually enjoyed Furfy or if that's a sponsored comment. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It, it doesn't paint the best picture of... Australian beer, to be honest. No. I'm no. hoping they tried some wildflower and stuff when they were down here. You'd hope so. Uh, Queensland launched TAFE Brewing course. Yep. Uh, it's a 20-week course, three days a week, 
uh, with two practical days using the brew lab facility they built, I think, last year. That's right. I think we spoke about that on the podcast. Yeah, we may well have. Um, and they've got Hendo and John Meehan as the teachers. So they're oh. actually investing a bit in that. Yeah, oh. very, that sounds better than I would have predicted. Yeah, it's in line with that. It's it was a part of that whole craft beer strategy they released whenever that was, 18 months ago or something. Yeah, that's, that's very promising. Um, because we've sort of lacked that in Australia in a lot of respects. We do have the one in Ballarat, Bendigo. Ballarat, I think. Yeah, but that's does that, this sounds more practical, easy to get into. Yeah, stuff. I think so. I think it's also moderately, I think it's only about seven grand for the 20 weeks. Yeah. Uh, Funk Estate rescued? Yeah, um, I think we mentioned a few weeks ago that they went into administration. Yep. Uh, Brand House, who saved Renaissance in 2018, have done the same thing to Funk Estate to keep it going, which is good. Nice. Yeah, I enjoy Funk Estate stuff. Yeah, um, and basically they said they like they retracted the brand um, because it's, one because it's a contract operation they could put in their existing facility. And two, because it appeals to the younger craft generation, which is interesting. Well, it's not... I can, I can see that. Well, hazies and fruity sours. Yeah, yeah. And, like, cool branding. and Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dollar Bill sign up to Black is Beautiful. Yeah, I think they're the only Australian brewery to date to do so. That's the uh, raising money for Black Lives Matter. It's a stout. Uh, and it's started by Weathered Souls, who are brewery in san antonio texas i swear i saw someone else who may have done it but maybe i'm thinking of someone in new zealand yeah i may have missed it but um i think they're the only one we will apologize next time around if yeah when i've missed it there's also a rwandan craft brewery that's jumped on which i thought was quite cool that That this craft brewery is in rwanda (laughs) yeah i was gonna say that is cool on multiple levels (laughs) Um, we need to talk about brew, so let's talk about brew. Brew placed in trading halt again. Yeah, the fact that this is in the tasting notes probably says all, <laughs> all about <laughs> it, that this isn't huge news. Um, basically, their shares almost doubled in price from one and a half cent a share to 2.6 cents a share, uh, despite losing 1.2 million in the first quarter. Yeah. Everything above board at Brew, as always. Yeah. Uh, there was also a massive spike in the number of shares being transferred, but, you know, nothing questionable. We're not, we're not accusing them of anything. <laughs> no. Canadian barley sales to China soaring due to tariff on Australian imports. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting because, obviously, we sell a lot of barley to China, but with 80% tariffs at the moment because of our little coronavirus-related yeah. uh, tariffs. Squabble, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Canadian barley is the way it is what's benefiting. Well, all, all the Australian barley is going to end up in China anyway via brew. <laughs> exactly. They're definitely <laughs> using Australian barley in their that, Chinese that, operation. Yes, that's the master plan. Uh, new hop varieties. This is something you are going to link in the show notes. Yeah. Basically putting it in in place of whatever that segment used to be called, where I put links in occasionally. I can't remember. Neither can I. That's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, mildly worrying. Yeah, it was a while ago. <laughs> the, the the thirst or something. Ah, there you go. That could be right. That rings a bell. Something like that. It it was a good thing. So uh, yeah, interesting stuff in here. Um, Zappa like is one of the new hops. Black hops about to release a beer with that. There's a few in here that you'd sort of be familiar with. Um, yeah, people Sol- would know names. Um, so Denali's been renamed to Sultana. 
um, which confused me a while ago at uh, Thunder Road. Yep. Uh, Lotus was in that um, bonehead beer. Yep, and uh, Tallboy and Moose did an IPA with it too. Uh, there's some resurrected varieties from England. There's the Hortz ones from New Zealand, which I've seen a bit yep. used and stuff. Um, a few new French ones, and French hops are doing some cool stuff at the moment. Yeah, and some South African stuff, which is pretty sound pretty cool. Yeah, Slovenian, Poland. It's a good article. Um, it's from the Beervana blog, so that's Jeff Allworth who wrote, I think it's the Beer Bible, which oh, yeah. people would be familiar with. You will know if this interests you. So, yeah, feel free to read more. Uh, and there's a new Australian one, which he didn't mention, which is a Hot Products Australia one, uh, HPA 016. Um, and on their little hot flavour spectrum, I think they call it, um, it's fruitier than Galaxy. Sounds like a single hot beer in our future. Yeah, with mandarin, citrus peel and pine resin notes. Okay. can get around it. Yeah, could be interesting. Yeah, I feel like it's interesting saying that's fruitier than Galaxy because uh, you'd sort of think, I don't know. It depends what you just consider fruity. I would have thought that's all citrus, but anyway, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we will see. Um, And I think that does us for news. I think we've actually come in at probably an okay amount of time considering how much we had to cover. We've covered a lot of ground in not terribly long. Yeah, um, we'll call that acceptable. And we will also call that the end of the segment. We will be back in a moment with what we're drinking. Welcome back to the Beer O'Clock Podcast. We are back with what we are drinking. And we are drinking a... Blackhearts and Stomping Ground collaboration, Bramble On, the... uh, can does say dark sour on it, so I'm going to call it a dark sour. It's not a dark sour. It's not a dark sour. It's a bright red. <laughs> yes. Uh, it maybe has a touch more malt than the smashes, but that's not saying much. No, it does have more, I think. Um, just tasting it, it's there's there's actually not a lot of malt. <laughs> yeah. Um. So blackberries, raspberries, and sylvan berries... Right. We did look this up, what Sylvan Berries are. Yeah, I had a uh, brainwave that, that my, Sylvan, I think, was the suburb we went and picked our berries in. Yeah. <laughs> homebrew, what, 18 months ago or something like that? Yeah, back in the heady days of when we were allowed outside and when we brewed. When you could <laughs> go to regional Victoria and pick some blackberries. and. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that was a, it was a good day in the sun. Um, but yes, that would make sense. Um, but it was a cross between... It was an Australian cross, Sylvanberries. I can't remember what it was a cross between. Mm, mulberries, blackberries, something like that. Something along those lines. I'll just look it up and make it... There's nothing it. super distinctive about the flavour. No, no, it's just a dark berry. Uh, so a Sylvanberry is a cross between Marionberries and a seedling cross of Pacific and Boysenberries. Jesus. So in the blackberry family. Yes, and that this does taste a lot like blackberries. It does. This beer. Um, it is tasty. It is. It's um, light, lightly tart. Yeah. Maybe slightly more than lightly tart. It's. I think it's got a little bit more to it than a smash. Yeah. It's not just fruit. No, no. There's a bit 
some complexity. Not much, but some. Yes, yeah. There is enough to say, not just to call it a dark sour, but you can call it a sour ale rather than, you know, fruit juice. Yeah. And it's good to see all these um, stomping ground, what would normally, I think, be tap-only releases coming out. Yeah. Uh, this, this because it's a collaboration with Black Hearts, almost certainly would have been canned. Yeah. It's cool when it's cool the Black Hearts do um, these little collaborations. They often go under the radar and they're usually pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, I buy the, I buy them quite a lot because I shop at Black Hearts uh, occasionally. One dollar delivery at the moment as well around mm. Melbourne. That's um, fun. I don't know if that was going beforehand, but um, they I got an email about it. I'm like, oh, that's might take advantage of that at some stage. At some point, yeah. Uh, speaking of something, Grant, you've been drinking a lot of Resonator, which I quite oh, like, yeah. but I think you're probably more qualified to speak about. God, it's a good beer. Um, just pine resin, grapefruit, um, moderate bitterness. By today's standards, probably a lot of bitterness. <laughs> yeah, look, I I found it perfectly drinkable. It does have that kind of old school bitterness. Yeah. That real, I don't know what you call it, warrior slash challenger kind of boil bitterness you know it's it's in that ballpark isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's a really nice beer and it's exactly like you know lives up to the name which is all you can really ask for that's right um and it's a really cheap four pack they're like 18 dollar four packs or something that's i mean just on stomping ground their canned stuff is so well priced like i think the four pack of this brand belongs like 19 um yeah that's that's at black hearts prices yeah um, hatch hatch pot i think was 18 resonators 18 Upside Down might have been 16 or something like that. That sounds about right. I mean, honestly, Gibbs Street and stuff are a bit pricey when you think about that. When they're they're compared to this, I wonder if there's some weird excise relief going on here for beers that notionally would have been tap only. Because they, I think they brewed all of these at the brew pub beforehand. Yeah, that's probably true. And also, I guess with Gibbs Street and stuff, not only are they six packs, but they're probably shipped around a lot more. There's probably more like freight and stuff, whereas these are all probably just locally sold unless you go out of your way to get them. Yeah, I buy mine at McCoppins, which is within a kilometre, I think. Mm. So it's probably, yeah, there's not much, not big freight costs going on there. No. So I think next up we're going to talk about the Feels series, which is Mr. Banks's pretty hyped series. Uh, the third in the series, Mosaic Feels, came out two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Something like that. Recently, <laughs> um, we spoke about Idaho last podcast. I'm um, sure we did. That was a fantastic beer. Yeah, com- fantastic beer. Uh, I guess just well, first up, we can talk a bit about Mosaic. Um, I was not blown away, um, but you were blown away by Idaho. Yes, you? yeah. Sorry, I should say that. Um, in case should remember that not everyone listens to every podcast. Um, or yes, just our no, random smack talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I Yeah, I loved Idaho. Um, it was one of the best beers I've had this year. Um, Mosaic, not so much. Which is interesting, because I assume they're the same base beer. Yeah, and we both love Mosaic. Yeah. And Mr. Banks know how to use hops. I thought it came off a little sweet. Yeah, I think I wonder if the hot presence just maybe wasn't there as much. I don't know if or if it just accentuated the sweetness. Who knows? Yeah, something went on there. It was mm. it was not as good as the first two for me anyway. Yeah, no, for me as well. It was a little unbalanced. Um, mm. I guess it's interesting to bring up because not that Untapped scores the BL end all, but it is the highest ranked of the three. I think it's okay when you're comparing three beers like this 
when they're all sort of, it's probably the same people reviewing them. That's true, actually. That's a good point. And I guess it just kind of brings up the question of hype culture and is it just because they've gotten more and more hyped each time? Is it just, do you feel like you have to give it a 4.5 because... I, I assume there are people who are. So are you saying they went up from one to two to three? So six No, so uh, actually went down with okay. that. I think it was like 4.3, 4.2, 4.35 or something in that ballpark wow. as of the time of recording. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I would have it Idaho Citra Mosaic in my head. Yeah, I, I didn't have Citra, but uh, for me, Idaho is leagues out of Mosaic. Yeah. Like, I'd say Idaho is, you know, top five of the year. I don't know if Mosaic's top 50. <laughs> I thought it was. I'm just, just being realistic. Like, I could probably look through, and I think I've... I like the honesty. Sorry? I like the honesty. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you have to be, and it's not... I mean, we've been pretty good supporters of Mr. Banks since their very first release, so it's not like trying to talk smack or anything. It's still a good beer. Yeah. Just not an excellent beer. Um, no, I'd buy their beer all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we have been since day one. Yeah. Um, so I think, not necessarily qualified to talk about it, but we're allowed to. <laughs> They'll forgive us. I, I'm going to claim I'm qualified. I've drunk enough of their beer. <laughs> yeah, well, and also it's not like they're going to have any trouble selling Mosaic films. No, and if we're not going to turn enough people off to hurt their the bottom line. 200th most popular food podcast in Australia is going to uh, <laughs> suddenly shoot them down. Um, but no, it's interesting. I think it's just an interesting case study. And um, if you have any hate mail about that, it's like, of course Mosaic was best, then feel free to send it through. That's... Yeah, hit that. Hit us up. Yeah, and you can even just send it to me if you want <laughs> Um, and we might have talked about just so to balance this out, we might have talked about Lager Life last time, but we should talk about Lager Life again. Um, so because Mr. Banks, they do, they like doing their lagers and they like doing like crispy, easy drinking lagers. And this is probably the best tellers I've had out of Australia and oh, far and away, far long and time, away. long yeah. time, yeah, if if not ever. No, I think ever. I'd, I'd be surprised if there's a Hellas as good as this. You know, we. Yeah. And we drink most of them, most of the good ones. We've had a Range Hellas, we've had a Burnley Hellas. We go uh, searching for... Lager. Well, especially, I think with us, it's if they say, hey, this is a German Pilsner, hey, this is a Czech Pilsner, hey, this is a Hellas, um, that we're going to go looking for it because it's like, okay, this is not just a lager or a draft. This is, you are going for this style of lager, this like subsection of lager. And it's really fascinating to see if they hit it. In saying that, I did the Alchemy review for Year of the Local, I think, yesterday. Yeah. Um, and my notes that I made at the time were uh, they'd called it a Pilsner, and I tasted it, and I was like, this is a Hellas, was the entirety of my notes. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, we've definitely had... There's, that's, that's why I think we often seek them out, because it's interesting to see if they actually... Know what not they're that, talking about. Yeah, I was going to I was gonna say that, and I'm like, well, they probably know what they're talking about, but if, if they know how to translate that into... Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think we've had quite a few Czech Pilsners, which are distinctly German tasting. Yeah. Uh, the mill comes to mind. Um, yes, that was definitely German. <laughs> it's interesting though. Like it's not saying they're bad beers. It's just, I think there's a lot of craft lager around and it's interesting to, to look at it from the regional kind of point of view and see when, if people are hitting the marks. When you're going beyond lager, you need to, I think you need to get it right because the pe- people who buy that look at that. Yeah, and you buy a Hellas and a Pilsner for different things. You might, I mean, people who 
I just like lager is lager. I probably think we sound crazy, but like you want a different thing from each one. They're pretty distinctly different, and they're for different moods. And absolutely, yeah. Um, but yeah, lager life, incredible hellas. Uh, if you Definitely want to see, <laughs> yeah, if you want, if you want to see what a good hellas tastes like that isn't German, then yeah. And because we need to get our Kapurkava shout in, there's your Pilsner and there's your Hellas. <laughs> yeah. German Pilsner, I don't know. I'm trying to think of one. Uh, not don't know if there's any the top of my head. I'm sure, there, yeah. I'm sure there is one. Um, and there's some obviously great New World Pilsners around. Uh, Enigma from Bridge Road and The Damned come to mind as yeah. great New World Pilsners. Yeah. Criminally underrated, the Enigma. Yeah. Still around? I assume so. I haven't seen one for a while, but it was canned, so it has to exist. It's one of those ones that I don't see very much, but whenever I see it, I buy it. Yeah, same. Exactly the same. Um, just to change tack, I guess it's still regional at least. So Aussie's having a go at something regional, I should say. Uh, Bent Spokes Phlegm, which is really interesting beer. It is. It's not a Flanders red, though. <laughs> no. Uh, so I sort of thought it was skewing Old Bruin, but uh, yeah, it's not a Flanders red. <laughs> There was just no ascetic character. I think that was the biggest problem with that beer. Otherwise, it was quite nice. Like it yeah, sort of. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, caramel malts, bit of cherry, some sourness. I got lots of cola, which I think yeah. is what made me think old broom. But it's, uh, I don't know, if you put a shot of balsamic vinegar in there, you might get closer. But uh, as it is, not a Flanders red, but still quite a nice beer. It's also quite hard to find. It took me quite a while. I think I ended up ordering that from Benspoke because I looked for a while, couldn't find any. Yeah, we'd both had our eyes out. Um, yeah. I think we'd... It was one of those ones, I think now and then me and you see something and it's just laser focused and it's like, all right, well, that's going to get tracked down at some stage. Yeah. And that was one of them. And then, yeah, it was lucky that you got on it because otherwise may not have tried it. But I guess um, for anyone wanting to try it, don't necessarily expect it to be a Flanders Red, but it is nice. Um, I have chucked one in the cellar to see if any acetic character develops over, I don't know, a while. Yeah, look, might as well. One day the mood will strike me that it's time to drink it. Yeah. You'll uh, sense a disturbance in the force and not <laughs> exactly. time for it. Um, Hazy series, which I haven't talked about yet. Um, I've had all of them. And I am, I know, I've sort of... I don't know if I've done on the podcast, but certainly to you, I've had my problems with Moritus and their hazies and the price of them in the past. Yes, we. I think we had a good chat the other day about this, but I'm not sure if it was on mic or off mic. Yeah, we may have had it on mic at some point in the past. Um, I've sort of. I don't know if I've necessarily gone off modus, but I'm certainly. Since they've like gone to the different cans, the smaller format cans stuff, I've definitely been drinking less than than I used to. Yeah. Um, but this hazy series is pretty good. Um, four different hazies, uh, increasing in ridiculousness each time. I've had none of them, so you should probably. Run yep. me through them as well as... So first one was New England Pale. Yep. Um, which was just classic Galaxy Citra Mosaic. I thought it was pretty solid, not mind-blowing. Um, the second was my favourite. Um, that was primarily Mosaic with Eldorado and Galaxy backing up. Again, classic, but I thought this was super well-balanced. Um, just a you know a nice 6% hazy, good creamy body, basically no bitterness. Um Number three was a double New England IPA. Uh, this was Eldorado, Mosaic, and Mango Puree. Um, yeah. There was Hot Burn out the wazoo with this one. Um, it was still nice, but, you know, 
you know how you say like there's hot burn everywhere, but it it's, can still be enjoyable. There's a time and a place for hot burn, if as ridiculous as that sounds. Yeah, it can work. It's just um, got to be balanced. I, I thought it was a very nice beer. It is the highest rated on Untapped, but I it was a bit much for me. Yep. Um, and then number four was a triple New England IPA, little little ten percent can. Um, this, funnily enough, was Hort four three three seven, as we one of the ones we briefly mentioned before. Yep. With Mosaic and Azaka. Um, I didn't get any hot burn from this, but I did just find it like to be a lot. Um, it's just, you know, with the triple IPAs, they just sometimes get a bit sweet. And if yeah. the bitterness isn't there, especially, and there's like no bitterness here at all. Um, no, you need bitterness. I don't think triple neepers are going to catch on. <laughs> yeah. So I probably like this the second most because it was novel, but yep. like this was just basically cordial. I really think their beers have dropped off since DJ left and went and started mountain culture. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not going to argue with that call. I thought this series was good fun. I like yep. the evolution of it and stuff. Um, wouldn't necessarily say they were must-haves or anything, though, but they were all pretty well-priced, and yeah. Yeah, I, I generally think at their price you can get better beer. Yeah, nowadays, I think. And, I mean, we've kind of had that opinion for a little while. Um, and I was a huge fan of their beer. Yes, you were, you were. Um, and they they still have uh, Sonic Prayer, Former Tenant, Classics. Yeah, but even they've all. dropped off a little... Yeah, I haven't had a Sonic Prayer in a while, but um, yeah, I do. I do like their stuff. I don't drink it very much anymore. Yeah, um, they're in a bit of a weird place at the moment, where they were kind of forerunners of a lot of this stuff, and they've been overtaken, and they haven't quite caught back up. Yeah, it is. A, it's a really interesting position they find themselves in. And yeah, I guess I don't. They've got their niche. I guess they've probably got their fans. Um, whether they're going to get back to the forefront, I just it's hard to see at the moment. Well, I think their best stuff is bitter stuff, and with bitter being out, it's a bit hard to see where they go. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I've, I've never liked their hazy stuff that much. No, um, neither. It, even when they used to do it. They did just put out a West Coast IPA, which I'm okay. assuming you'll have I, at some stage. I might buy that, and we'll reassess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think the only other beer of theirs I had recently was Blueberry Imperial Sour, which I thought was... You know, Imperial Sours, whatever. But I thought it was pretty not good. Um, I don't know. It, it's They're in a weird place. Yeah. I guess that's all we really need to say. Um, but yeah, uh, another hazy, just because it was on the recommended things when I was looking at Hazy 4 and Untapped, was uh, the Garage Project Trillium Sunrise Valley, which you had. Yeah, I had that yesterday or the day before. That's incredible. That it like it was always going to be Garage Project and Trillium, um, but I reckon that could be right up there as my best beer I've had this year. So um, yeah, and that's this has been a busy year. There's been a lot of hazies and a lot of good releases. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, kind of almost more impressive that a hazy comes out on top. Yeah, um, this is just smooth as anything, just juice. There's no bitterness. Did you get a hot bill or did are they being coy? Nelson and Raquel. Nelson and Rico, that's, yeah, that's a pretty classic Kiwi combo. Exactly. Exactly. Um, um, so track, track that down if you can, but good luck, I guess, by the time this comes out. Well, if we get it up next week sometime, there might be a chance for some people. You mm, never know. You never know. But, uh, yeah, high praise, and I will definitely have to... Yes, yes. Jimmy's Bake Shop, the Bridge Road one. I want to talk about this because it was so divisive. 
Yeah, it was always going to be. I, I, I think I could see that coming a mile away when they said brown ale slash dunkel bison. Yeah, uh, banana caramel milkshake on nitro was sort of the brief. Um, and I think people's problem with it is that it wasn't just diabetes in a can. Yeah, no, it, it's pretty much just a Dunkelweizen, isn't it? So. It's a straight up and down Dunkelweizen. There's sweet chocolate, banana, and clove. Yeah. And then it's it smooth as anything because it's on nitro. Pretty high ABV. Uh, 6.9 I've got here. Yeah, which feels a bit more than it needed to be, but I don't know. It Not was a nice so. enough beer, but it's a bit... I don't know. I liked it more than most people seem to. Yeah. I thought it was a tasty Dunkelweizen. and I thought the nitro was fun. I can see why people are probably a bit confused about what the hell it's meant to be. I think it's almost the opposite of hype culture. Like, it's just so not what people were thinking it would be. Yeah, and also, like, who's looking for this kind of thing, really? Yeah. Um, but they sort of marketed it as, um, you know, this big cake thing, cake sweet all that sort of stuff, and it just wasn't in that sort of pastry stout realm. In the era of pastry beers, you do have to kind of be a bit more, I don't know, front and centre. If you're talking about sweet and calling it cake shop or bake shop, yeah, <laughs> it'd want to be sweet. It says bake and cake in the title, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> I can see I can see the confusion. I thought it was quite nice, though. Um, I liked for, it. For what it is, but yeah, definitely can understand the confusion. Finally, I just wanted to mention the Mountain Goat Hazy Pale Ale, which is just like the most meh beer I've had in a while. Isn't it? It's I, not poor. It's just no, so... It's, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so nothing. It's uh, I barely even know what to say about it, but I think that's why I wanted to mention it, because, yeah. Um, I uh, think when you mentioned it to me, I said I thought it'd be a knockoff Stone and Wood Pacific Ale. Yeah. And that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's sort of maybe even less fruity. Yeah, it is. No, it's citrus more than passion fruit, I think. Yeah. Um, wheat, fair bit of wheat in the grist, um, and it's very, it's easy drinking. You don't notice it. You don't think about it. Yeah, and I guess that's just, I don't know, expect a little bit more out of Mountain Goat. So did I. Um, it's a little disappointing, but... Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't run out and seek that one, but... If it's there, it is beer. That's it. I think that does us for what we're drinking, unless anything yeah. comes to mind. Nothing um, jumping out at me. Just just finished that bramble and I quite enjoy them. Yeah. It's Much good. like the smash, just nice little glass of tart fruit juice. If you like blackberries, you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back in a moment with an interview. back uh, we have got an interview with Dan Taranto of Otter's Promise um, this was exciting for us we managed to sneak it in just before we went back into lockdown um, really good of him to have us there it was good to have a chat and hear from his point of view how COVID's been affecting him yeah we're looking to have a couple of chats with different people in the industry just see how COVID's affected them and see if we can you know raise some awareness about some of the smaller guys, I suppose. Yeah, and Otis is obviously one of our favourite venues. Um, we give them a lot of support. 
One uh, of the few in the south side of Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. We sort of go into all that, so hopefully you enjoy it. Just wanted to, yeah, so thanks to the staff there. Um, thank you to Dan for opening a couple of cracking beers yeah, for us. Yeah, they were great. Um, I think we talked about one in the interview. More. Yep. Um, and we mentioned in the interview, trying to work out the mystery of the boat rocker name, uh, the, the IV, the four, and um, it turns out it's related to Star Wars, yeah. just because that wasn't answered in there. But um, otherwise, hope you enjoy. Any feedback would be excellent. And please support local businesses like Otter's Promise whenever you can. So we are here at the Otter's Promise in Armadale with uh, Dan. Would you like to introduce yourself, Dan? You've been part of the, the beer world for a while. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm uh, Dan Taranto. I'm uh, owner of everything great out of uh, the Otter's Promise. Or Otter's Promise, maybe I'll call it. It's uh, a bit... The da is... Uh, officially, it is the Otter's Promise. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, everyone calls us Otters, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Everyone's been down to Otters. Uh, yeah, bar and bottle shop, again, in High Street, Armadale. Can you tell us a little about the bar? Uh, yeah, so basically, it's like, it's a typical kind of, um, hot tip for me, it's like an obvious venue. So, like, you can get at Slowby or you've been in Carl and Sellers or those kind of places. You've seen the bar, bottle shop, hybrid, craft beer model. Pretty obvious. Just maybe the neighbourhood. The neighbourhood's a different thing yeah. for us. So we're <laughs> yeah. kind of, um, we're in Armadale, which is uh, in the southeast of Melbourne, probably pretty higher in associated with the economic area. Yeah. Everyone's kind of fairly well off. The cars down the street are fancy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't afford them, so it uh, <laughs> doesn't mean much, really. Um, and, yeah, and we're here because pretty much when we're looking to choose venue areas, we, we're, we're looking deliberately not to be where everyone else was. Yeah. We didn't want to be you know, yeah, we made Benzica Street or Hunswick Street because yeah. it's kind of flooded up there and I didn't want to be competing with my friends. So I thought we'd go somewhere different and we sort of looked at the map and looked at where all the venues are around Melbourne and there's an the obvious gap, <laughs> obvious gap in the area and then we started looking for properties and um, this place used to be a wine bar yeah. so it had licenses already yeah. in place which is very handy it's very important to have that kind of stuff and uh, away we went yeah. Opened, up in, uh, opened up in December 2016, which is the worst month for you to open, I think. Is it that long ago? Yeah. It is that long ago. It's nearly, four years. It's, nearly, it's nearly four years. It did take a while for the bar part to come in here, didn't it? It did. It took us a long time to get the, um, well, the sort of licensing plan. I'm not licensing planning through. So licensing is pretty easy, but the planning side through council is just takes a long time. And I imagine like the council people have like this huge pile of planning permits they're going through applications. And they do one. If there's a problem with it, they'll respond and ask for more information. They go some the file again, and they start from the top and keep walking way through. So it takes months and months and months to get things done through that kind of uh, system. It's just how it is. And are you in the same council as Deeds? We actually are, but um, <laughs> but it's not the same reasons. Ours, ours is just slow. Yeah. No one had um, Deeds has had a lot of objections. Yeah. From both council at the start and from local businesses. In the area? Not residence businesses. Businesses? Yeah. Parking or? Oh, just parking and um, how the street kind of works down there. It's a very weird little street they're in. So. Yeah, Prap is a little bit Prap, yeah, Prap, 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 what it's called is like, yeah. you, yeah. you write down and it's like, oh, this is a weird street. It's yeah. like really narrow and yeah, it's odd. Does your um, clientele dictate your range? Is it different to what you'd find up at Carwin or...? Uh, I think it is a little bit different because I think um, 
when we first opened up, we had everything. We kind of paid that back a little bit. And we tend to find around here, we probably sell, I feel like, particularly the Mickey's here, that um, we sell a lot of lager and pale, crappy lager, which is unusual. But we sell a lot of local Australian stuff. Yeah. High end, probably the good stuff, like stuff everything everyone's chasing, like Quiet Deeds and Mr. Banks and those kind of guys. Probably less of the higher end stuff, I, I feel, I, mm-hmm. I know. Like we've had big format bottles. Yeah, big format stuff, big huge imperial stouts like that. Um, we've had the past, but for us, they've sat there. I think right now we can probably revisit it a bit because we're busier than ever. Yeah. We're getting busier and busier, and we're still growing as a bottle shop. So, and we're online now as well. Yeah. Being online is important. It's a, it's a good good segue into <laughs> asking about how you've sort of adapted during COVID because you guys have really moved into delivery and stuff. And we like, have. Yeah. We, well, we sort of had. It's, sort of, it's weird right now. It's, it's gone weird again. Um, <laughs> so basically, I guess the whole story about this whole period, it's been crazy. Yeah. Mm. So first of all, it's been crazy for everyone. And uh, for us, in our experience, it's just been wild what's happened. So um, pretty much... I think, I think everyone knew it's coming. You can see, you can see the chapter coming. Cause yeah. It's like you pretty much see what happened around the world and then like, okay, you're stories from Europe and Asia and like, pretty much people start getting sick and they start shutting things down. It's going to yeah. happen here. So we kind of saw it happening and we sort of thought, oh, we're just going to lay off getting too much stock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> First of all, we're like, we're just going to ease back a little bit because it was obvious shit was happening. And then... Kind of in that week before, it was like getting yeah, a bit bad. News did worse and worse. We're like, okay. We had some friends who work in government as well, and they were like, just be ready. Be ready. Yeah, be yeah. ready. So, um, so pretty much what happened was um, we were here on Friday, because the timing of announcements has been horrible for hospitality. Yeah. <laughs> they picked the worst possible times to announce it. So, literally, we were here on a Friday at about 5 p.m. when the first announcement came through. For the uh, the um, four square meter rolls coming to effect, yeah, and one point five meters at five pm on a Friday night, so it's impossible. You can't, you just will fall. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like you can't get half your patrons. So first everyone left. We started getting ready tables slowly, slowly, and then Saturday morning. Actually, it took me a very busy Friday actually. <laughs> Saturday morning, we reconfigured into like a bar for like we see like three people. Yeah. So wireless tables and chairs and. We um Saturday had a normal kind of Saturday. And Sunday we set up same again, but now it's gonna come through that No bar. No bar next no, no, well, not no bar. I was like not quite sure that new bars being shut down. Mm. We weren't sure if we'd actually open. Like how we classified yeah. Yeah. bar bottle shop kind of we're sort of weren't sure if you could open half of like just the bottle shop and Yeah, yeah. And, like, I think um so they announced on like Sunday whenever it was that bars had to close. Yeah. And uh, people knew that, so people were getting on it <laughs> that night. <laughs> and then um, next morning we were closed as a bar, and we were we worked out, we don't it's a bottle shop, which we were very relieved, very, very relieved about. So we um, pretty much the next day we came in, and we reconfigured the whole place. So we're kind of back to normal now, with chairs and nice lights and stuff, but for the last three months we've been... No chairs. It's been very tables. spacious. Yeah, I know, it's been yeah, very, yeah. I know, I know. I feel like we were like briefly one of the coolest bottle shops in Melbourne. Yeah, very minimalist, yeah. <laughs> I know, it's been minimalist, clean floors, um, lots of space in here. And um, yeah, so pretty much we traded like that for, well, did that, and then like pretty much that week, um, our friend here Mick started with us, and instantly we did our online store. We weren't online as a store before that, we were kind yeah. of, always thought about it. But never actually got around to it. doing it. <laughs> yeah, a lot in this kind of period when people makes you just do things. So we um, pretty much got online, created a basic online shop, and over the next 
month, mm. worked on that pretty heavily into it's what it is now, which is like a fully like a full online store where it's like every single product in the shop is online. Like any beer you can, anything on the shelf you can buy it from home. It's, it's been good for me as a local. <laughs> I see something on Instagram and it's like it's on the store at the same time. It's yeah, yeah. yeah, very yeah. Handy. The smart thing to do, it's not a smart thing. Tricky. Some people do, some don't do. If you go online, do you stop pick up and you can like reserve those beers, mm. those hype beers, and come in and get them a couple days later, so you avoid the rush kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So lately, we've um, in this whole period, we've noticed that because for us, our bottle shop sales have gone up a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's just that way. I think most bottle shops have been really busy. Because <laughs> yeah. everyone's boozing at home, yeah. so it's just natural to be busier. So, but the volume of beer coming out from the desirable group, like the old high end kind of, like the things like um, the whale kind of stuff, like the Mr. Banks hazy yeah. beers, and yeah. like these ones especially. Um, people are out. We, we saw them the other day. Yeah. I mean, we slowly post them online. Often they're in store before we post them online now. <laughs> and um, then they're like, gone the next day. So is that... Um, have, you, have you noticed it's sort of... Uh, have you noticed more releases in general? Like, because it feels like there's more, yeah, but it's hard right. to know if it's just more visibility. It's... Yeah, I think it's, um, it's been a different story for each individual brewery. So... Mm. I know something about my brewery friends that everyone's experience is quite different. It depends on the flexibility you have in your own business and like what your ratio was to your pack versus your keg yeah. sales. Yeah. So some breweries are like 85% pack, 15% keg. Some breweries are the reverse. And there's a venue like that, like 20% pack, 80% keg, with like half of that sold their own venue. Yeah. So those venues would be affected massively. But if those venues have their own canning line facilities, and build metals of beers, different beers, they're carrying those beers now and getting the market. Other breweries, some breweries haven't done anything in terms of like new releases. They just said, no, nah, we're just gonna stop. Yeah. yeah. Not brew anything because we're just gonna run it out. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think every, every brewery's different. Yeah. I think everyone's got a slightly different story as well about how it's going. Have you seen more packaging of like small full line cans from breweries that previously weren't doing it? Oh, yeah, I think that for us it's like, the classic one now is, what do you think? Probably two breweries stand out with that. I think, Slumping Ground. Yeah. So all those, like, releases to just the, just the, the, the brew pub yeah. Yeah. are coming out now. Yeah, no one's complaining about seeing Hatchpot and... No, Hatchpot <laughs> and, like, Upside Down Brown and yeah. Bunker are, like, a lot more common now, and it's, it's really good from my point of view. And then, um, Tallboy Moose have gone yeah. amazing, and it's, like... Pivoted really quickly. Yeah, we know. And branded really well. Yeah. Um, with multiple cam releases. Every, every week, week, pretty much. Every week, every yeah. weeks. So, um, yeah. Whereas other brands haven't done so much, but it just depends on what you've got, what you're trying to maintain. Just capabilities and stuff, too. Yeah, like some breweries, some breweries sit, like names you know, have big, huge tanks, so they don't want to risk a new brewery. Yeah. Other breweries, like Tallboy, are a bit smaller, you got more flexibility. But everyone's different. Yeah. Have you noticed much difference in the consumer, what they're buying? Is it pretty much the we same did. stuff? Uh, or? At the start, people were buying lots of like lagers and bales, buying cases and stuff, and stocking up. Yeah. And then slowly over the over the months, when, when I think everyone worked out after the first month, uh, oh, wait a minute. It's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. Yeah. But it's going to be a while, <laughs> but all the beers are kind of still there. Yeah. So the new releases are coming out. We didn't like the breweries like the new releases. Like, okay. And that sort of um, got back to the normal kind of trading in terms of amounts people are buying and the releases are the same kind of thing coming out as a regular kind of schedule as against just sliding through you know, six paces of live out kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm pretty sure people do that at Dan Murphy's not at my place. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly 
honestly, I think that was about all we really had to discuss. Right, cool. It was just really, I'll just have a brief chat. We'll just, uh, yeah. Our favourite bottle shop sort of stuff. Yeah. Pop in, see yeah. how you're doing. Yeah. Alright, it's coming to pretty well. Anything you want to... It's been a really weird period for everyone. I think it's um, a lot of my peers have been looking at government announcements, wave government announcements. Yep. And like last one, like probably all these things came out in a really variable. Like last weekend when the restrictions didn't get lifted, so they kind of half got relifted, so we could, we could open again. Yep. But that's when these couldn't open again, and like the can be 50 and the best 20. And for us, it was like how that was announced and communicated was just like, because again, it was on a Sunday. Of course. Half their staff, think of staff's not actually there. So, uh, Was there a question for you guys of perhaps not opening? Yeah, because um, there was conflicting information from the government. So, yeah. Kind of worked out along the way that um, when the Premier says something, that, that's what's, what's going to happen. Yeah. But low the departments slowly change the information. So, it's like Business Victoria and there's like the DHSS, yeah. who are both the main communicators, yeah. and they had conflicting information for a day. On that Sunday and Monday, and I was like, uh, yeah, where are we at? What's we really happening? Know, yeah. I know, we really need to know the food thing. Is that changing? Yeah, yeah. Is that changing? Or not? A lot depends on that. Um, for us, for us, for us, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. So uh, that was a kind of weird little moment. Yeah. <laughs> but we uh, still, still kicking. Still kicking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was like, yeah, it's funny things like that. The other thing I'm gonna say is, um, it's like um, my partner Gary says, it's like, right now, in the current climate, the last few months, if you want to see your Lot of businesses survive, you've got to support them. Yeah, yeah so exactly. it's all about doing that right now. If you want like little bars and bottle shops and brewing brands, beer brands to survive, yeah. you got to sort of pay for it right now. You know, spend yeah. some money on beer love. Yeah, definitely. Maybe go down Murphy's. They're, yeah, yeah. they're going to be alright. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's why we're here. <laughs> yeah, but um, look, guys, we're a bit more close to the edge than that. We uh, can scrape through here and there, but one bad thing happens and it's going to be like a over for us pretty quickly. Yeah, do need this. Touchwood, it's been, yeah, we've been good, we've been lucky. Yeah, well um, supported. Very well supported, very well supported. Um, but it's a different model, so what I realise is that bottle shop busy and bar busy are quite different, and yeah. the mm. margins are quite different, so yeah. you can be busy as a bottle shop, but your margins not going to be as great as busy as a bar. So it's the reason why the pubs have the tap beer. Yeah, it's because yeah. it's much more margin. Yeah. Um, and that's like, for us, it's like a bit of a contraction in our margin, so it's like, oh. So yeah, you're really busy, but you're quiet. You're not making the margin. margin. <laughs> yeah, the margin's not there, which is uh, it might look fine, but yeah, it's uh, you actually still need the support. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. yeah but it's like it's kind of like coming back here now. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's in a fashion year, so it all changes again anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's, it's all going to be different by the time we publish this. I know, it is. Yeah, got to be support we get. You'll you'll probably be shut down again by the time we post this. I reckon we will. But it's it's like. It's. I feel like that is not possible. I work in pathology. It's, yeah, um, you do. Yeah, that's right. it's yeah. Uh, yeah, it's definitely possible. It's definitely right. I mean, it's like it is actually worse now than what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just a matter of. I think, from what I understand from the methodologies, they try and catch them in the areas they're in and hope as hell it doesn't get out. Yeah. This piece is really good as well. It is, yes. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Should probably pl- plug Boat Rocker yeah, while we're here. Oh, yeah. We're trying the new Boat Rocker. Variations on a theme four. Yes. Which one has four on it? I'm kind of confused. Um, hazy double IPA. I'm guessing there's been one, two, and three. I haven't heard of the other three. No, <laughs> you're right. Um, it's a good. What's it? Zarka, Strata, Mosaic. Yeah. Good fun. fun. Easy drinking for eight. Yeah, too easy drinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A good one to share between three people. Yeah. 
most most piece of better show. That is very true. <laughs> That's very true. And I have, I don't know about you, but I've definitely found that a lot of great releases and way less people to share them with. Over oh, the absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's like um, it's funny for us. It's like. Drinking's change, how we drink and who we drink with. It's yeah. just like sit on the couch, sink four or five beers, and you're like, oh, I'm kind of drunk, but. It's like, where are the people? Fun. I know, where are the people? <laughs> so, did you get off the Zoom call? You know, and you, there's oh, no one around. Yeah. And it's like, I'm quite drunk to be just yeah, in my living room. <laughs> you're Zoom yourself for the first time in three hours. You're like, Whoa. We've been uh, doing this podcast remotely and we have a lot of um, segments where we have to try things. And it's much yeah. harder when you have to try them. Separately. Oh, yeah. yeah. It is, yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but thank you very much, Dan. Well, yeah. Thank you guys for uh, coming down. Yeah. Please support local businesses and the Otis Promise is for the moment open and please come down and buy a beer, we've have a beer. We never, we never close, we never yes. close. <laughs> come hell or high water. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. We hope you enjoyed that. Um, once again, any thoughts or queries or possible fixes we can make in the future, uh, please let us know. And thanks again to Dan and the crew at Otters Promise. Yeah, thanks again to Dan and to and for the uh, Mountain Culture Zero Mississippi that we shared at the end. Yes, yes. That uh, was very enjoyable and I found the chat very enlightening. And he was probably just trying to get us drunk so we'd spend more money. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked. <laughs> uh, we'll be back in a tick. We are back with the ranking of lagers. Every episode, we take three at the moment, one during lockdown, just for ease, lager, and we add it to a master list. We slot it in, we work out the ranking on air, give you a bit of information, give it a try. These are macro lagers, sort of most popular in the country based off untapped is usually the way we do it. Yep. Uh, I think that was what we decided was the easiest way to determine which was the biggest. Yeah, to sort of prevent arguments about, you know, semantics and people are going to have different opinions. Yeah, exactly. It's the easiest way to cut that out. Um, We'll see if that holds when we get to Australia. But in the meantime, uh, top five at the moment, uh, Pilsner Urkel from the Czech Republic, Terence from Scotland, Carlsberg from Denmark, Kilmez from Argentina, Kingfisher from India. And the bottom five is... Singer from Thailand, Red Stripe from Jamaica, Bintang from Indonesia, which was on our last podcast, Vonu from Fiji, and Kus Kenya from Peru, still sitting at 24th position. We have got Lvivsky. Lvivska. Lvivska from the Ukraine. Yep. Um, which, yeah, marks a return to doing slightly more fun stuff. Yeah, it was good to find this one the other day. I don't think I've ever seen a Ukrainian beer for sale in Australia before. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't have. Yeah, the only ones I've ever had were either in uh, Eastern Europe or I had a couple that a Russian dude shipped me in about 2012. Is that when you were ticking off the old countries? Uh, It was actually for, I did like a Euro soccer thing, which Ah, was cool. Um, but um, they didn't arrive in time for that, so I just drank some Ukrainian beer later. Because <laughs> why not? Yeah, exactly. They did um, like those one and a half litre pet bottles of stuff. It was all very oh, odd. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm mildly... I'm intrigued by this. Is there a bit of a backstory? Yeah, we've got a bit. Um, Ukrainian beer is more interesting than I thought it would be. 
Um, so this is Levivska 1715, uh, which has supposedly been brewed by, at the Lviv Brewery since 1715 to the same recipe. Cool. I'm a little questionable about that. <laughs> yeah, look, I was I was going to bite my tongue. But no, um, we found with Bintang last time, a lot of these things do have unusual and lengthy histories. Yeah, that's true. So apparently it was brewed by monks uh, and is the oldest beer in Ukraine, obviously, at 305 years. A Trappist slug. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing they weren't Benedictine, otherwise they might try and have a Trappist seal on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's now owned by Carlsberg and has been since 1996. Carlsberg um, yep. has 32.5% of the Ukrainian market, most of which is Lvivska. Um, probably the only two competitors to it in Ukraine are Chernogivska and Oboloin. Um but uh, Ob- Oboloin is also a Ukrainian-owned br- brewery, which is quite cool. That is cool. Yeah, because so Carlsberg's the market leader. Oboloin, the Ouroboros one, is in the middle, and Chernogivska, which is the ABI one, is at the bottom of the macro lagers by untapped check-ins. <laughs> so we've got the right one. Not only is it the only one we could find, but it's the right one. Well, exactly. Um, I've had the other two, which is interesting, through that, that is. little project. Um, so not had this before? No, no, the first time for me, for this one. Um, the other interesting fact I found about Ukrainian beer, just while we were there, is that Oberloin has the largest brewing facility in the whole of Europe. That's interesting, fascinating. I don't know why that would be. No, no, neither. It's also got the largest malting facility in the whole of Europe. It's just... A regular Coopers. Yeah, they've just gone huge. That's interesting. I guess if they do it all themselves and it's all one facility. That's my best guess. Yeah. Like, um, malting makes sense. Ukraine used to do a lot of wheat, so I suppose they can do a lot of barley. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, interesting little facts you come across when you're looking at Ukrainian beer. So I guess on the more, I don't know, straightforward side of things is 4.7% alcohol. It's not... It's in reasonably okay condition. Weirdly enough, has a six-month best before date. I enjoyed that as well when you pointed that out. Yeah, fascinating. Um, I also thought this was a 500ml bottle, but it's definitely not when you pour it. Yeah, what, what is it? 4.450ml. Four. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Um, fits in that lovely palm glass you gave me. Ah, lovely. Um, yeah, so I guess first impressions, nice colour. Uh, a little bit of lacing. Good colour, good head. Smells macro lager. Yep, very much so. Not offensive, just macro lager. No. Um, it's pretty solid. I don't, I don't mind that at all. No, neither do I. Um, there's actually some malt in there. Yeah, a little bit of the corn cardboard notes. Yep, yep there's definitely some corn um, in there. Probably hop extract. I think so. Although it is bitter. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Maybe a bit of both. Bit of both. Happy with a bit of both. Um, well, it's yeah. nice to have something that isn't awful for once. That's... No, it looks nice, and yeah. What do you reckon? Think we need to pause? And I think we I think we're going to have to pause this one. All right, a uh, bit of deliberation as um. It's nice to sip a beer and not be like, oh, well, that's going down the sink. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the at the end of the uh, segment, as soon as we get off mic, just pour it away. 
Mm. So I think we, we got a top 10 entrant from uh, Little Deliberation. Probably the first one since Steinlager, I'm pretty sure. I think so. Um, which feels like an age ago now. Yeah, we've drunk some rubbish macro lagers since. And and some ones we thought would have been better that just weren't. There's a lot of 15 to 25s. Yeah. Sort of range. <laughs> um, we've decided to slot this in at 7th, above Sapporo and Bira Marodi. Um, which, yeah. Is not what I would have guessed pre-episode, but I'm glad to be proved wrong. Yeah, I was hoping it would be half decent, but honestly, so hard to know. Yeah, yeah, you you just don't know. You think these are all so much of a muchness, but they're not. There's a lot of sort of variety and quality along the way. It's, um, yeah, really... It's a fascinating exercise for that reason, I think. Um, this is really quite nice the longer yep. I sit on this um, the longer I sit on it the more it might go up um, just the faintest hint of corn is dragging it down a little yeah I think that's the only thing that I'm really seeing that seems like an active flaw um, I'm pretty happy with it Seven I, I quite Sapporo and Meridia are no small contenders to knock down nope, no I think that's where it should sit. Um, um, it's a really it's getting well done lager. to the stage. Yeah, I agree. And it's getting to the stage where we kind of have to back ourselves in with things like Gourmac, which were very early on. Um, I don't remember a lot about it. No. Um, but I am willing to back in that, yeah, it was quite good. Um, the system sort of fails if we don't back ourselves in. Yeah, um, and obviously there's going to be a better recency bias. Like, bias. Like, if you've got a decent one in your hand, you're going to be like, oh, surely it was better than insert big name here. We actually had an email not that long ago that we should do a uh, a calibration one episode. And I think that's not the worst idea I've ever heard. Just grab a few of the top five and a few of the bottom five. Something. something. I, think, I think they suggested, uh, I think it was 1, 11, and 21 or something. But... Yeah, look, I could... I could get behind that, but also you worry about condition. Yeah, that, that's the issue with this, because so much of macro lager is about condition. Yeah. Um, and but we'll see. I guess how you feel. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. At some point, when we're able to sit in the same room, we will possibly do a calibration episode. I think we can bring ourselves to have a couple of extra macro lagers. Oh, especially when we're allowed to have beers in person again. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that... um. Top five, bottom five, still the same, but uh, Livivska's 1715 slotting in at number seven, which is, yeah, nice to have a decent one. Exactly. Um, I'm quite happy with this. Uh, we'll be back in a moment with the brewery deep dive. We are back with the brewery deep dive. Um, quite a fun segment to do last time so we're, we're jumping in again we're doing sort of big boys of the moment i guess range brewing um recently announced they're opening a brew is it a brewery or just a brew pub in Abbotsford? no it's just a brew pub there's no kit going in to begin with yep so it seems timely yeah uh to speak about them interesting a sort of different, different, different thing to approach than your mates because your mates have a defined core range, whereas range, obviously, all about the limited releases. 
yeah, all of our one and dones. Um, so what we've done is we've just grabbed an assortment, which we think covers their spectrum pretty well. Yep. And yep. would sort of, yeah, I guess chat about them. I think, I think it's enough to get a picture of what they do. I think so. Like they're, they're a hype brewery. So we get, you know, IPAs, both New England and West Coast. We've got a Stout, we've got a Hellas, and we've got a New England Pale that we're going to talk about. Yep. Um, possibly Probably. the only thing missing is a sour, just because they do sort of talk about themselves as a hoppy, dark sour brewery. Yeah, but, exactly what I was going to say. But, you know, their releases are so hard to get hold of that, you know, this is how it worked out. We will chat about one of their sours whenever we happen to get their hands on it in what we're drinking sometime down the line. Yeah, exactly. It'll, it definitely will happen. Um, so Range uh, released their first beers in May 2018. Um, it was two Aussies who met at school in Toowoomba who were living in London. Um, you know, did what every Aussie does, thinks about opening their own brewery. Uh, Matt McIver was working for Brewdog and was also the brand ambassador for the London Craft Beer Festival, while Jared Martin was working in design. And I think that comes through in their beers. I assume Jared's actually the one designing them. Do you know, Dylan? Uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Yeah, but their logo is very designy and there's a lot of minimalist stuff going on. Yeah, you, you would suspect so. Um, they yeah. have strong branding for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, they had a friend called Mitch Pickford who was a brewer um, settled on Brisbane. And yeah, the rest is history. They've exploded. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that that's the interesting thing is um, they've been around. Uh, they snuck into the Hottest 100 yep. with a collab. Um, and they have just gone from strength to strength since then. Feels yep. like that was, you know... Feels like they were a very small brewery at that point in time, and now they feel like they're kind of everywhere. I think um, if you're in the anywhere in the craft beer bubble, you probably know who Range are. I'm I'm not on um, the old Facebook anymore, so I'm not privy to the machinations of the you know beer thread and craft beer rounds or whatever. But I assume the pictures of Range cans are all over the place. Yep, yep. It's just like Insta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. I get a good idea from Insta what's uh, going on there. Um, but yeah, it, it's so they've just got a new website. Uh, we've discussed a bit in the past about how it's how been a bit of quickly their their stuff sells out and the problems that causes. Yeah, and um, I guess they're sort of one of the. And as Dan said in the um, interview before, uh, them and sort of Mister Banks stuff are kind of like this new sort of wave of hype breweries where the cans are like flying, and it's an interesting time. Yeah, I just hope we don't go down the American route of. Uh lining up for all of them not at the moment anyway no not at the moment (laughs) definitely not while corona's floating around um but yeah definitely uh scouting report at the abbotsford facility is in our future when that opens i think yep and Um, i think it's just down the road from bodrigi so might be both it's a good area there good area yeah um so i guess we can should we kick it off with so we've had five of their beers as we discussed yep um, should we kick it off with the first we had, which was yeah, called I, Friends Yeah, I reckon 2.8? that's the way to do it. Um, so we got, this was six weeks ago-ish. Maybe. <laughs> it was it's, it was somewhere in the in the four and a half years that lockdown has been. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Call Your Friends 2.0, uh, New England Pale Ale. This is sort of our first exposure, um, at least mine. I'm assuming it was yours too. I think it was mine as well, yeah. Um. And that is New England Pale Ale, and I thought it was fantastic. Great first impression. 
Oh, so good. Like, you and I have both said how much we love New England Pale Ales. Um, and this was just all juice. There was a dangerous beer at how quickly you could drink that. Yeah, it's one of those ones that you wish you could have a slab of rather than just having to wait for a four-pack kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, no, that was excellent. So good. So Set the bar, bar very high and then we decided to go out and buy all their releases, I think, two weeks after that. Yeah, it certainly wasn't long after. It was um, definitely, oh, we should have to get more of these kind of thing almost yeah. straight away. Um, and we had the perfect pack. You know? Yeah, yeah, especially for this, um, which I think probably partially influenced, although, you know, we can say that. We can justify it to ourselves any way we want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there was Mustard, The Hellers, In the Evening, The Stout, Little to the Left, which is West Coast IPA, and Wait What, which is a hazy double IPA. Yep. I think if we do it in that order, that's probably not a bad way to chat about it. I think that makes a bit of sense. Um, so Mustard, the Hellers, uh, it's not, wasn't as good as Lager Life, I thought, but still really solid Hellers. They can clearly that, do Lager. That's setting the bar very high, though, the uh, the Lager Life. That is very true. Um, I actually had one just before we started recording. It's a really nice Hellers. Um, it's got the sweet grains, grassy bitterness. There are just better ones around. That's the only yeah. thing that drags it down in my estimations. They definitely know how to do Lager, though. Oh, yeah, it's a really good lager. Um, it's, yeah. Uh, in the evening, stout, that sort of straight up and down stout. Um, again, like, I'm sort of in the same boat as the mustard. Like, they clearly know what they're doing, making, like, little dry stout. Um, not going to blow my mind. It didn't blow my mind, but um, really solid. Yeah, no, I agree entirely. I, it's almost exactly what I'd look like for an, in a 5% stout, though. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, not to put it... I mean, there's only so much you can get from a 5%, you know, classic stout, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. You can't expect the world from them. Coffee, dark chocolate, a little bit of roast, some bitterness. Perfect. Yeah, pretty cruisy, yeah. Yeah. A uh, little to the left, West Coast IPA. Um, I like this quite a bit. It's a very me beer, I thought. Yeah. Pine, citrus, stone fruit balanced bitterness like there was enough malt there that it wasn't sort of that aggressive bitterness yeah um, i but it was definitely perceptible the bitterness if that makes you sense. need that you need that in the west coast yeah exactly i'm i feel like i should have more to say about it but honestly yeah i think you've, you've nailed it um and then finally there was wait what which is kind of like you think of range this is the kind of beer you think of i think this is, I think, exactly what most people think of them doing. So, yeah, I feel like with hazies, there's only so much you can say. A lot of the things with good hazy beers kind of overlap with each other. Well, they all use the same hops and the grain bills are relatively neutral. It's just whoever does it better, I guess. I don't actually know what the hop bill is for this. No, neither um, do I. But I thought it was fantastic. I think I might have even rated it a little bit higher than you, which surprised me, but clearly it just hit all the right buttons for me. Um, I saw it like, you know, mango, passion fruit, just awesome. Yeah, it, it was so drinkable. <laughs> it was like what I liked about Call Your Friends, but just turned up. Yeah, it was 8.5%. That was the problem. Yeah, yeah, almost, yeah, almost. Problem is the right word, I think. Because um, you drank it exactly the same way. <laughs> As the, yeah, as the five percent, as the five percent, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, a fantastic beer, and I think that was the one that 
you know, you can clearly see why there's the hype there, and yeah. They're pretty reasonably priced at the end of the day. Like, they're... Not they're horrible not, for all. Yeah, no. they're not horrible when you're buying four packs. You know, $30 four packs of double IPAs. Yeah, 500ml cans. Um, I, I thought, yeah, perfectly yeah. reasonable. Um, it all kind of balances out, I think. Like, you probably pay a bit more for the Hellas and the Stout and then probably pay a bit less than you'd expect for the hype cans. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, yeah, happy to do that. Happy to support the, the lager brewing um, as well. And we'll be the only people in the Abbotsford tap room drinking lager. Yeah, <laughs> lining up for their, their latest release, uh, lager. But, yeah, there's not heaps more I want to say about them. I, I was They were pretty much as good as I'd hoped they would be. Yeah, um, I think that this segment was almost designed for them to fail, but they didn't fail. Like, the beer's good. Um, and I understand why the hype's there. Yeah. We certainly don't want people to fail on this segment, but it does it does make for a more interesting discussion, I guess. Um, I, I think the problem here is that we both understand why the hype is there, and so just don't have a lot to say about it. I think the good thing is, is that we did get a spread, and they're clearly a diverse and talented brewery. Um, and I think that's just as important as anything else. It's great that the hazies are good, but I think it's just as important that the hellers and the stout are really well crafted too. Yeah, yeah. I think if you can't, you don't get to the level of hype they're at without being able to do those as well, like those yeah. hype beers. Yeah. No, at least not without your cans blowing up everywhere and you know putting cereal in your brew <laughs> tub and stuff. It's uh, yeah. There's different ways to get hype, but they've done this the right way. The way we'd hope everyone should go about it. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty happy with range all around. Um, We've probably got a few more interesting, maybe less known ones. We just Range was kind of the ones, I think, who kicked off the idea of this segment. So we sort of thought, we've got to do them. Had to do them. The opportunity jumped. The ripe beers are in the the offering on the Friday, and bam, here we are. Yeah. So yeah, range. Uh, we don't. You don't need us to tell you to give them a go, but um, I suppose we're adding to the hype here. <laughs> yeah, we're, it's, it's a vicious cycle, and we're not helping it. Um, but you know, all the best to range. Can't wait for Abbotsford to open, and we will be back to finish up with the cellar. We are back to finish up with. Another round of the cellar. Um, I don't know if you can call it a cellar if we purchase it like what a day or two before. Yeah, but, but it's, it's from it's someone. It's a that counts. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not the kind of beer that theoretically not the kind of beer you should be drinking by yourself. No, um, but although it's it's lockdown again. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to just put yourself through the hard yards. And yeah. Eight and a half percent. So there's been less reasonable choices. We've made far worse choices before. Um, so this was recommended to us at Otter's Promise. Yep, by Mick, the bartender. Yep, and I don't know, don't know how he knew, but um, clearly just thought we'd be the kind of people who would want this, and he was he, 100% right. <laughs> he was correct. We both were stupid enough to do this. <laughs> yeah. So this is Petrus's Cherry Nitro Chocolate Quad, uh, which is interesting in so many ways. Um, the quad part... Mixed with the others is the most interesting, I think. 
like I get adding cherry and chocolate to a stout, but to a quad, and or even then, like a Belgian dark, it's yeah, and then putting it on nitro. Yeah, it's a very interesting mix. Um, smells very sweet in the nose. Looks nice. Very dark. It's got that very um, like cherry, um, cherry coolie sort of thing going on. Yeah, um, very like cherry ripish. Yeah, um, it is really nice. I think I really like it. I, yeah, I, it I is thought sweet. It was, I was really skeptical. I'm not going to lie. Um, the nitro is like it's very low carb, but it's a quad, so you don't expect it to be hugely carbed anyway. Yeah, I was just interested to see how the nitro would play with the quad. Yeah, um, and turns out it's pretty mellow and quite nice. Yeah. Um, there's dark fruit under there. It's actually quite a good quad, I think. Yeah, there is a there is a quad there. They've clearly made it. It's basically like a pastry quad. <laughs> Almost. Like, they've just diabetes up the quad. <laughs> yeah, as if it needed more mm. of that. Or, um, But no, it's very nice. I'm getting... It, it's cherry ripish in flavour, too. I'm getting some sort of, like, coconutty yep. vanilla sort of notes. Um, a lot of chocolate. A lot of chocolate. Yeah. Chocolate's sort of interesting. It's not like bitter, dark chocolate. It's pretty like rounded sort of cocoa. Well, it's, it's Belgium, so that they, they won't have done it half ass the chocolate part. Yeah, probably proper chocolate. Mm. Um, um, the chocolate note nice. that comes through underneath is really nice. Like, sort of, you've had your sip, and it's just fading out. But then the chocolate comes through. Yeah, um, it's it's very enjoyable. It's a really cool beer. I'm intrigued what happens when this warms up a little. Yeah, it's definitely odd, but like not in a bad way. Odd in a good way, I think. Mm. Um, One of those ones that sort of makes a lot of sense once you try it. So they've got their normal quad is also a nitro quad, which is fascinating. <laughs> there you go. The only thing I really know of theirs is the aged pale. Yeah. Uh, which is probably not unusual. I think that's far and away their most known beer. Although they do also have a um, Pilsner, um, which is quite well known, called Bavic. Oh, yeah. That You'd have very seen it. vaguely rings a bell, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a wit that goes around in Europe called, uh, I think it's Witterkirker or something like that. To be honest, I've never seen it out here, but it, it exists. It's around quite a bit in Belgium. Yeah. I guess the one downside I'd say this is the body is not super what I would want. And that's probably down to the nitro, I think. Yeah. Because um, it's it's morphing into, even with a little bit of, like, a few sips, little like a very small amount of time, it's morphing into more quad-like characters, but it's just lacking a touch of that body. Well, it's a bit lower than your normal quad ABV. It's 8.5%. That's true. Percent. Um, it's a session quad. Which I think is probably... I've just looked it up. Their normal quad is 11.5%. So I wonder if they've put the cherry and the chocolate syrups in and watered it down that way. Yeah, or done something like that. Well, it um, claims that it's the same base. Maybe it's 3% just... 3% ABV, ABV seems like a huge drop. Yeah, I wonder if it, if it is just a thinner version of the base. Yeah. 
talk about like do you talk about it as a quad do you talk about it as sort of this weird pastry beer it's it's just difficult to speak about exactly but i think what it is is it's it's definitely sweet um it's definitely like a touch thin probably from the nitro but it is very smooth very drinkable not cloying despite the sweetness uh cherry's nice chocolate's nice quad's nice i and i think that's the biggest compliment you can give it that it's this sweet and not cloying yeah and the the body probably has something to do with that to be fair Mm, mm, because it just sort of it almost finishes you drink it it finishes and then you get a little bit of chocolate coming through and that's about yeah. it. Yeah. And the, the cherry sort of nice sort of counterpoint to a lot of it. I think it actually works quite well. It's not overbearing. It's definitely there though. It sort of lifts it up at the start and then you get the chocolate wave that comes through. Yeah. <laughs> and um, a bit of dark fruit from the quad, I assume. Yeah. Um, so all around, it's, it's a very well-made beer. It's clearly not done without thought or anything. Like they're clearly... No, it's not like a, a hype brewery just going, we can chuck chocolate and cherry in in a quad and it'll work. Well, it's funny because it's the kind of title where it's like, you know, cherry, nitro, chocolate, quad. You're like, okay, this is like some... It's not going to taste like a quad at all, but because of the brewery that's doing it, I guess you give them a bit more credit. Yeah, and I think so. Well deserved because, yeah, I think it's come through quite well. I'm uh, very impressed considering what it is, what, you know, the title. Yeah, yeah. Um... Would I take it over a normal quad? Like, probably not if it was a good one, but, like, it's really interesting. Like, it's interesting enough that I'm very glad to try it once. Yeah, I think it's a try-once beer. I don't think it's a beer that you'd ever, uh, like, sit down with, you know, multiple times a year or anything like that. I'd probably buy it again, but for someone else to try. Yeah, I think it's that sort of beer. Yeah, like it's cool, it's well done enough and it's cool enough that like I would want people to try it but would I sit down with it again? I don't know if the the point is really there. <laughs> yeah, it's not like a West Later and 12 or something which everyone wants to sit down with again. You know, in yes, that situation. Yeah. Um, but it's cool. I, I, I think I'm in the same boat. I think I could see myself buying it for someone saying, oh, you have to try this. But not necessarily, oh, I have to get more of these. Because I don't think it's going to do, age is not going to do much of this. And, no, yeah. I don't think so. Um, I mean, yeah. But I, yeah. I think that's about all I have to say. I mean, thumbs up, good stuff. Yep, go out, buy one. Yeah, they're fun. Definitely. I imagine it's not super expensive either. No, no, they were cheap. Like, cheap for a, a quad. Yeah, cheap for an 8.5% fruited nitro quad. Yeah. They're like eight or nine bucks, I think. Yeah, that's very reasonable, I think. Um, and I think that'll just about do us. This is another long one. Hopefully not too long by the time it all works out. But we'll yeah, see. I, it's all relative. Exactly. It's lockdown. You've got plenty of time, Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> and then so do we, I guess. And um, then the rest of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll live. You'll, you're either locked down... Or, um, you know, back to normal life. And either way, you can fit, it, you can fit us in. Yeah. We, we need the support. Oh, definitely. <laughs> we care so much about the ratings. <laughs> yes, definitely. Old, old uh, Aussie beer pods on Instagram. So. Oh, yeah, we should probably shout that out. So anyone who wants to uh, like us, subscribe us, do whatever you do on your app... That all helps us win out, win in the Aussie beer pods. 
competition. Which is um, a very cool little hobby thing that this dude is doing. Yeah, I think it's Steve, who we've spoken about before, who sent us a message about Kapukova, um, who's doing it from the Sunday sesh. Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a cool little thing to, to do, and he maintains it. And um, It's a good yeah, way to find out about other Australian beer podcasts. Yeah, definitely. Like and if um, you need one that beyond us, I don't understand why you would. But. <laughs> In case you want one that comes out at a regular time or has up-to-date news um, or anything who, silly like that. Who wants that? Yeah. yeah. Surely, surely they're only here for the Ukrainian lager chat. <laughs> I will say we're probably the only ones doing that. That's, that is fair. That's our niche. <laughs> Ukrainian lager is our niche. As always, thank you for listening. You can get in touch at uh, angus at beeroclogaustralia.com or dylan at beeroclogaustralia.com on Instagram, on Facebook, on Spotify, on all that good stuff. iTunes, you know, ev- everywhere you can think Google, of, yeah. I believe we are on. There is no excuse for not listening unless you don't want to. And then you've got to sort your priorities. Well, it's, they wouldn't get to this stage, surely. Hmm. You, you'd be concerned if they're an hour and a half in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just hate listening. Um, thank you again to Dan uh, Taranto from Otter's Promise. And we will be continuing that series and... Hopefully, lockdown is not too permanent. <laughs> and if there's anyone who you want us to speak to, let us know. Yeah, please. And we'll see what we can do. Yeah, um, we're, we're happy to reach out to people. It's mostly just people we want to chat to at the moment that we've got lined up. Um, but yeah, we have some interesting stuff. And I think post-COVID, we'll really be sort of branching out more into that kind of uh, realm as as much as we can, where we can, yeah. Just yeah. remember to support support local guys. Um, if you want your local brewery or bar to survive, you, it's now is the time to put some dollars across the bar. Yeah, and there will there will be a way to support them. Yeah, everyone's the, been on top of that. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening, and uh, we will be back in a month ish.